soy, soy lo que dejaron, soy toda la sobra de lo que se robaron, un pueblo escondido en la cima, mi piel es de cuero, por eso aguanta cualquier clima, soy una fábrica de humo, mano de obra campesina para tu consumo, frente de frío en el medio del verano, el amor en los tiempos del cólera, mi hermano, el sol que nace y el día que muere, con los mejores atardeceres, soy el desarrollo en carne viva, un discurso político sin salida. Since late April. The streets of Colombia have been the scene of massive protests against the tax reform proposed by the president Ivan Duque. According to some reports, more than 50 protesters died as a result of police violence. The demonstrations began when the president proposed a tax reform, according to which Colombians would have to pay more tax to cover the so-called insufficient sources to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. One day before the protests began on April 27, 2021, a judge banned all demonstrations throughout the country due to COVID-19 health risks. In this episode, I talked with Veronica Velas, an activist and a trade unionist lawyer from Colombia who is based in Berlin and takes active part in organization of demonstrations and publication of demands. Hey, hi, Vivian. I'm also glad to be here today with you. My name is Veronica Velez. I am from Colombia, but I've been living in Berlin for, for a couple of years. Um, I'm an activist in human rights and trade union issues. I... Here in Berlin, I'm part of an organization called Unidos por la Paz in Spanish, which means Together for Peace. And we have been like together for more than four years, pressing on the implementation of the peace agreement of our country, Colombia. So we do actions in the city, we do political incidents, communications, education, and so on. And we, in the organization, also join a bigger organization of Latin American groups, which is called Latin American Bloc in Berlin, and we are also active there. About myself, I can also say that um, I'm active in a, a network of scholars or academics in in trade union issues called the Global Labor University, which is, has um, a program of studying in every continent. And this is also like a great platform to do, to move like these issues as like what is happening in Colombia, issues of social justice, issues about development, issues about labor demands. And, and uh, I'm part of like the leftist party of my country, which is called the Polo Democratico Alternativo in Spanish. Yes, I completed a master called Labor Policies and Globalization. This in the Global Labor University. This master studies political economy from a point of view of um, labor and trade union issues. So I finished my studies two years ago, and I'm also a lawyer by profession. 
The tax reform introduced by Duque's government is to support a program of basic income in Colombia. Through this plan, 3 million out of 50 million citizens will have a right to $43 a month. Veronica had explained in an article written weeks before the protests that although this money will be a big help to some poor families, there are speculations on whether such a plan will overall be successful in fighting the effects of COVID-19. The people in the street believe that the taxpayers are not to be blamed for failure of government of Duque in creating better health capacities. I asked Veronica to briefly explain the more general reasons and the background of the protests that have taken over the whole country in the last four weeks. Okay, this is a very broad question. I will try to, to try to explain as clear as I can. So you see, we have in Colombia a country with high inequality, very, very high, one of the most unequal countries in the world, and maybe the second most unequal in, in Latin America. So it is not political stability in my country. Regardless, every time is a right-wing government who wants the election, Every time it faces a lot of protest, mobilization and discomfort because those are governments that never bargain with the social groups and in that regard they finish being very unpopular. So since 2019 the trade union confederations started calling for national strikes. Every time the government tried to impose a new piece of legislation regressive legislation that taxes labor and not taxes capital, that try to impose new neoliberal measures, people went to strike, went to the streets and demonstrated. Sometimes with major success than others, in 2019, November was also very successful. Many people went out and they have like their they win some also legit legitimacy or legitimacy, I mean. And this time in 2021, the, the trade union confederations again said to go to protest because the government attempt to, to agree on a set of reforms of this same line that I just, just explained, the neoliberal reforms for taxes, for labor, for health and pension schemes. Those were reforms agree with the International Monetary Fund, with the OECD, with the World Bank. And are those regulations about austerity, about cutting social spending, about taxing, consumption and not enterprises and keeping the privileges of those big multinational enterprises and so on. So in this moment of pandemic, people cannot assume more, you know, more cutting of income. So people went massively to the streets. They were so powerful that in three days, the government take down the legislative initiative. They say, we won't do this. And the financial minister 
um, presented a submission. No, they said they stepped back as well. But this was not enough to stop the the strike because this awake a huge discomfort. There was not only about that. People are also in discomfort about the lack of opportunities, about the lack of a life project with with possibilities. There are a lot of younger and youth people demonstrating days after days outside. And we are seeing as well a very, very violent and brutal response by the government who decided to put the army on the streets, who decided to put all the military force. So now NGOs are reporting massive deaths, more than 50 deaths of protesters but also people who is missing, but also rape is very dramatic also what is happening there and we are here outside denouncing, denouncing that and hoping that this alarming situation could keep growing in the needs for a change and for a transformation without more that's is what I mean, without more uh, escalating of the violence. How are these protests organized? What is the role of activists outside Colombia in organizing and networking? Here in Berlin, you mean there are, yes, there are a couple of, of organizations uh, who are active in also demonstrating here, for instance, also doing kind of uh, solidarity actions or they managed to make that the parliamentaries of Germany sent a letter to the government in Colombia showing all that uh, preoccupation and concern. But there are also, together with organization, there are also people who quickly using like social media organizing a couple of hours to have, uh, uh, you know, a demo, but also a cultural act, a performance, or a drawing on the wall, things like that helps to tighten the network. And I think that that is very nice that it's happening, not only here in Berlin, in many places we see how these kind of networks of resistance are doing creative work and, and are also contributing positively for what is happening back there in Colombia. Yeah, we have like big uh, trade union confederations, but I would say they no longer represent the, so the social movement which is in the streets. The social movement in the streets, I don't think there is one single organization that represents like most of them. I think like together with the trade unions, there are the organizations of the indigenous people. Uh, and there are also maybe student, the student movement or student organization. There are also assemblies, people trying to call uh, for doing assemblies and collecting some agreements. But this is very spontaneous. This is not something that responds to, to a structure of or a set 
Some reports assume that the vacuum of power created after the agreement between the government of Colombia and the guerrillas of FARC added to effects of the recent unrest in Colombia. As a result of this agreement, FARC ceased their militant activities as of June 2017. How do you think this vacuum of power has affected the recent protests in Colombia? Yeah, FARC is FARC is doing their part of the agreement. They they retreat or but as you like just explained, they left out rural areas. Now the state is taken to the control back and sometimes in many cases there are paramilitaries. So unfortunately the side of the government to accomplish what the agreement says has not been fulfilled yet. Um, it can be related somehow this with the with a peace agreement. Yeah, maybe people. I mean, maybe people is every time more and more uh, aware about things that doesn't go in the good way in the country because before every time the media only talks to us in the country about the armed conflict the armed conflict what the guerrilla did or doesn't make but now there is not this you know continuous narrative about the guerrilla well people could be more aware about things that are not going well should be different and they are not way wanting to like wait much longer for a change so maybe i see like a relationship in that regard what are the demands yeah mm, well my guess is that systematic reform needs to be done if we really want to to kind of to have a country more cohesive and a country that in the longer term could live better together you know, that this is not something that comes now and then the next year happens, then we will need to first address the police brutality. I think people who are demonstrating now are with a lot of angry to see how the army and like the police respond with such a brutality and killing people in the streets. So I think this is a demand there that like the Militaries are no welcome in the streets and that the police shouldn't be part of the military body, should be part of a civil body or the interim minister or something like that. The second reform for me is to, you know, to not um, follow 
the neoliberal patterns of reform imposed by these international finance institutions. So try to go on a different approach with the payment of the external debt, for instance, with the way the Colombia will manage their economics without to having to cut on social expenses and with a reform of rights on social rights and and above that the need of the social protection social protection in the wide sense of the right the social protection of having a life that where the risks are socially taken and people receive the support in case of health problems as we are facing right now with the pandemic for COVID-19, but also in the need of uh, care or health or education. So we really need a reform on social protection issues. How are the demands in the street conveyed to the authorities? How are they announced and through which channels? Mm-mm. No, through specific channels. Channels. This is, this is a challenge of participatory democracy. This is a challenge of building a bottom-up. This is something that will require longer time, but there is a attempt that is taking place there in Colombia and that is showing in some cities some results. For instance, they started organizing in blocks of neighbors and And then those blocks of neighbors, uh, were, after every assembly, they have a set of, of demands or of communication. And after a couple of days, then we receive here, like it arrives here to my group here in Berlin, that they have a common position among all the neighbors in one city that is like the third biggest city in Colombia, which is Cali, and who is, is kind is started being the focus of repression. And in Cali, from those assemblies, now they seem to have a common position. I don't know if the government will listen to that, if they read it, or at the end they will do something, but, but I think it's escalating. Like the fact now we know about that abroad, And in other cities, they are taking the same approach, but other approaches as well. And I think it's a little bit of try, trying different things. But we don't have in our history something where we can compare or already kind of the solution of how, where is exactly those leverage points. So we are trying to use different ones. Some accounts claim a new movement 
has come to exist in Colombia. Do you hold this thought? Yeah, maybe we'll respond to this just make, making it clear that uh, I see that from outside. So maybe this is like sort of a question better to someone who has been really experiencing there within the social movement if there has been a change in the kind of, kind of in the subject that is making the demands or not. Um, because here I see a lot of youth people that surprise me and I see this politicization of the youth could be one of these elements that make us think it is a new subject, it is a new movement. Uh, but on the other hand, since the peace agreement signature, I think is growing, is growing every time more the, the process of politicization and the process of organizing. Um, in Chile, there were also a massive uh, discomfort and now they are in the process of uh, having a new constitution. The, what I want to say is that the regional also trends and patterns could can also affect what is happening in a way and or inspiring in different ways. Please tell me more about trade unions. How are they treated by the society and the state? And who do you think has a wider presence in the demonstrations? And also, what is the role of social media? It's very difficult to organize trade unions in Colombia because we have a pattern of violence attached to being trade unionist. Colombia has been for years, years, the most dangerous place in the world to be trade unionist with the record of assassination to trade union leaders. Social con the armed conflict has a lot of responsibility in that regard. Being trade unionist was for many people taken as the same as being guerrilla or the same as being in the, it's been armed, you know. So I think it's still is a lot of this common sense to be um, like win back or to be challenged and to be contested because there is a lot still of this um, yeah, kind of sadly, this this idea, this wrong idea. They have their structures. They, the trade union and the working class movements. They have their their structures and and leaders, and they are still struggling with the social media. Many things happening. Many mm, communications going on. A lot of videos, messages. Uh, ideas circulate on the social media. Sometimes people denounce that they were censored by Instagram, that they were censored by the uh, Facebook, for instance. They said as well that the government cut internet access in the cities where where they were denouncing the most. So. Should be one channel, but maybe not the only one. But play a role. And also, we'll be maybe interested to tell you now that you ask me about working class and social media that uh, not very long ago, 
a trade union of deliveries of people doing delivery was organized through an app. They developed the app and now they organize all the work and education and assemblies through the app. So this is kind of so an intersection. Yeah, is it called Unida app? And is it growing quite well? They have the support of the confederation. People just need to download the app, sign, sign up virtually, and then they will find materials to, that help them to, you know, for education and labor issues. They will find also in the app a section where they can write in case they have a legal problem or a problem related with the access to to employment rights because they are doing the fight to be recognized as employer employees with all the rights not as contractual agents or not you know as independent contractors no they are employees they are workers and they are fighting for to be recognized by law as that and one of the strategies is organizing uh, using the app. What has been the reaction of the government? Is the demand for the president to step down among the demands? Well, no, the response has been this military response, repression and brutality, how like they are controlling it. There are demands that the government should resign, but I don't know. It's not, la it's not an official demand. I think they are not... They are not dealing well with the situation. The, the High Commissioner of Human Rights of the United Nations system has sent a letter to the government uh, showing their concern for what was happening. The response back to the government was saying they are more concerned about how, how the shops has been stolen or robbed by Protestants or how some buses are burned or how the roads are broken, uh, are blocked and these sorts of things doesn't have any clue, doesn't have any clue about what is most important and about the proportionality of the response. Here in Europe, you saw as well when there were Austerity measures how Protestants also went very angry on the streets and sometimes causes damages. But this is not, you know, a wide kind of the opportunity to the government to control against any coast. And I think there is a lot of international pressure to the government to change that. And I think 
they are not doing well with that. And we'll see what happened in the days to, to come. It's very, I don't know. I don't want to be speculative too much. <laughs> There's an upcoming election of the presidency in 2022. Since the government of Ivan Duque cannot run for the next elections, how do you explain the balance of power in Colombia? I would say we are not sure still how the how the polls goes to the elections. I wouldn't say there is not a central political uh, coalition that attempts to go independently to at least the first round of the election. They because in fact there is this coalition de la esperanza or hope the hope coalition and they represent the kind of the centrum or the middle point there. And um, I think they they might be open to do alliances, but we still don't know if we will make it with the left, who that would be ideal, or if they will move to to the right. To the right side, like regardless, this government doesn't have legitimacy and it seems very unpopular. I think there are other right-wing leaders who are waiting for their time on the elections next year and say we don't have anything to do with the problems of the last government. There was no, not a failure of the neoliberal system. There was not a failure of kind of the right. There was a problem of what that specific government represent. And that's why they are very silent now. They haven't said anything now with the protests going on. Uh, the left is trying to do a wider coalition. The left is trying to, you know, to win for the first time the presidency, trying to be with the widest possible coalition. But it's a, it's a huge challenge. Yeah. I hope we we will win, of course. I'm, I'm part of the political left. Uh, we're campaigning for that. But we need all people in Colombia that go and vote and make their their right to vote there and and to believe that something different is possible. To believe that we have many problems in the country, many things still needs to be done. But we also have the possibility to to live differently. As other countries have managed to do changes, we can do it as well. And we don't have to live uh, socially always in such inequality, in such lack of possibilities, in in the informality that makes that most of the population, more, more than the majority of them, have to live finding the money for the day or for the week and with the kids without rights to to be care taking care uh, women with a decent job to do a salary a wage that allows them to be autonomous allows to them to pursue a life project i think I think we can do much better with our country. This is a rich country. It's a big piece of land. There's a lot of people that 
hardworking people and I think we could do much, much more better and we need to, to believe and vote differently in the next elections. What have been the reactions of different institutions inside and outside Colombia to the massive police brutality in the recent weeks? Yes, yes, of course, a lot of responses of solidarity um, from many sides and very important. They were from the United States. I would start from them with them because because the role, the geopolitical role that plays United States is made to be the most important for Colombia. So close and so on. And so some for instance, some Democrat uh, representatives sent letters and even say started discussing to cut aid to Colombia if the if this repression goes on. But also people organizing in the United States, sending messages, sending videos, organizations, trade unions, the solidarity centers of the AFLC also sending support. The globalist structures of, I'm thinking of the trade unions because it's like where I work with and so I know how where also they sent letters uh, condemning, I think also helps a lot in this regard. And all around the world, I think, there has been some communications, some letters, some emails, I'm thankful for Veronica's in-depth analysis of the situation of Colombia from her professional point of view. There are still no channels for conversation between demonstrators and the state. According to Reuters, the National Strike Committee, made up of major unions, student groups and others, has held several discussions with government representatives about protesters' demands. But the two sides are not yet holding formal talks. President Duque announced on May 2nd that he was withdrawing from the tax reform, although he stated that the reform was still necessary. The protests continue today despite the elimination of tax reform. Colombians are not satisfied with their biggest victory of the last months against government repression. They are going forward and keeping the streets their own for the time being. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can listen to the new episodes if you subscribe to the podcast on any podcasting app on your phone. Undisturbed is produced by me, Bijan Sabah, and is part of Colorful Voices Network of Radios throughout Germany. Yoga.